the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talked with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Welcome, everybody, to The Kingdom and Its Stories. So delighted to have you with us today and to, and to be and our guests, Kendall Key and Rick McCafferty. And um, on the right-hand side of your screen is Rick, and the left-hand side of your screen is Kendall. Good morning. That's if you're watching. And uh, if you're uh, on the drive time, drive home time on the radio show, where you can, you can just imagine uh, what we look like. And hopefully your imagination makes us look good. <laughs> right. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. That would be a but, heck of an imagination. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, um you know, we, God gave us good imaginations, yes, so we thank the Lord for that. Um, the Kingdom and Its Stories is is designed to interview folks who we have discovered have been Jesus' hands and feet as part of their lifestyle. Maybe not their whole life, maybe just recently, but they've discovered what that means, or they're discovering what that means, as we all are. Um, and we invite them to come and share their story so that um, we don't honor them, but we honor the Lord who gave us the opportunity to be like Jesus. And our hope is that as you listen to this broadcast, that the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart and give you new insight into how you can be Jesus' hands and feet. So I want to begin um, with you, Rick. Um, you you work for, you. both of you work for Blue Sage. Yes. yes. And um, tell us what that is and, and what this organization does. Okay. Um, Blue Sage Healing Center is located off of um, 155 East Bay Road in Chandler, and it ministers to our Native American people. I'm, what I'm going to do is I, I'm not trying to deflect, but I'm going to pass this little part to Kendall. He's been there for the last two years. I've been there the last two months. And so he has a little more insight on Blue Sage. But we work with our people that have come off the streets, that are homeless, that are in recovery, um, and that want to change their life. They need a start somewhere. So we're that center to give them that start and to give them classes and teach them how to be able to do that, how to be able to um, 
stay okay. out the streets and to have life. And then, of course, we lead them to the cross. But I'll let Kendall give a little more on that. Okay. But Kendall, how, how long has Blue Sage been around? When did, we, it, when did it start? We actually had our two-year anniversary on the 3rd of August, if you okay. believe it or not. And it has grown. You know, we started out as a, um outpatient facility servicing the Native American community, most of whom are struggling with homelessness, trauma, generational trauma, and um, substance abuse, just all these types of, I would definitely, I would like to say brokenness. You know, they come in and they're looking for that healing. Since we are Native American owned and operated, we utilize cultural teachings and understandings in all of our curriculum that we offer on our campus, whether it be relapse prevention, parenting classes, domestic violence, all of those have been incorporated with cultural understandings. Our facilitators do an excellent job because they are, of course, you know, um, from the Native American community. We service all nations. We've had individuals coming from Wisconsin, Washington, Southern California, New Mexico, <laughs> and it's just amazing. Right now, how, how many how many Native American nations are there in the United States or in North America? Good question. I've never actually <laughs> um, <clears throat> looked up the number of Native American nations, but there's quite a few here in the Phoenix area itself. There's 21 nations that are okay. acknowledged here in the Arizona Phoenix area. So, which is All right. good good number of them. But you know, we have so, I am. Um, on, on a typical day, how how many? Uh, I know you don't want to call them clients, but how, how many? Um, how many uh, people are you are you serving and ministering to? On any given day, we could have you know anywhere up from twenty to forty people, forty um, individuals that we serve on our campus. Okay. And are they walk-in or do they get referred to you? You know, we do a lot of social media posts. So, you know, our social, our Facebook page has grown pretty popular. Um, we've done um, YouTube channels. So believe it or not, a lot of the people that call in inquiring about, you know, placement and treatment options, find us on Facebook. You know, we also have a um, website that they check out. Or, you know, a lot of it is word of mouth as well. You know, other people in their community have gone, come into our program, are finding the healing that they deserve, and they share it with their community members, their family members, their friends. And, yeah, so I believe that's how we've grown. And a lot of it is just um, self-referrals. But we've also started collaborating with some um behavioral health services out on the reservations. We've gone and met with some tribal leaders to let them know, like, you know what, we offer this service here in the metropolitan area. And, you know, this is how we believe it would definitely benefit your community members who are struggling. And, you know, they've referred um, their people to us, and we just do our best. Since we are Native American, we try to utilize, make them feel like home because, you know, most of which come away from home. So on campus, mm -hmm. we do our smudging. We start out with prayer. They have drumming. And it's just, it's so beautiful to watch, especially Don't when... Don't tell me. You use a word I'm not familiar with, smudging. What, what is smudging? What is smudging? <laughs> So smudging, okay, this is how it was explained to me. Smudging is the burning of the sage. You know, you have a sage bundle, okay. 
and you know we light it and it's kind of like for the protection for um cleansing of your spirit and you smudge okay it's just kind of you pass the smoke from your feet on up and while this is happening you can either smudge yourself or one of our um individuals will smudge everyone down and while this is happening you have your positive prayers you let go of the anxieties of the fears that you may be that may be captivating you at that time and it's just a beautiful right. time and just the smell it hits you and it's like i guarantee like once you smell it and you smell it down the road years later you're gonna be like, i know what that is it's gonna take yeah, you back okay. to that moment <laughs> is that, is, is that like, where the name blue sage comes from <clears throat> yeah. it is it is a uh, blue sage that we're burning <laughs> and the connection there is this um, power of the Holy Spirit, right? Right. Connecting and filling us and cleansing us and um, getting us ready for the day or, you know, going home or whatever the time that we might smudge. It's sure. basically the right. same thing that the Catholic Church had used inside their churches with the incense as they were burning it and walking down the aisle. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, my wife and I are attending an Anglican church right now, and it, it, it's pretty traditional, and, and we have the incense. Yeah. That we burn in as they, the priest and the pastors walk down the aisle, they're swinging the incense. So that, yeah. that'd be similar to. It, it's what, very similar. And the sad part about that is years ago when the first missionaries came, they called it evil. And so they yeah. took it away from us. But so, so we're incorporating it back in with our biblical principles and saying, mm -hmm. this is not evil. This is what the Creator gave us, this is what God gave us. Yeah, and so yeah. we're utilizing culture and traditions to be able to um, bring One the people of the reasons that I asked you about smudging is because when I was in college, yeah, I used to smudge in the lemon groves in California, you know, when, on the cold days. And believe me, that was not pretty. It was <laughs> you mentioned you, college you, days, and I'm like, okay, there's a million possibilities with what that kind of smudging could have been. <laughs> oh, man. You know, we had the smudge pots, and they were black. Oh, wow. And, and, you, 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 and we, we did it till 6 o'clock until it, it was not freezing outside. Yeah. <laughs> and, and sometimes we came back to class, and we didn't have time to to clean up and we were just a mess. And uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, Kendall, yes. you know, give us an elevator speech. Who are you? What's your story? Well, for me, I'd like to introduce myself. You know, this is Faith Talk Radio. So I am a child of God. However, it wasn't up until three years ago when I finally realized that that, you know, for the longest time, I thought I was everything. But I believed I was an addict. I believed that I was oh, just a homeless man. I felt like I was broken, you know. But, yeah, it wasn't until three days ago, not three days ago, three years ago that I really had that spiritual awakening. And it's just it took so long for that to happen, you know. Um, earlier you said, you know, we're still, some of us have walked with Christ all of our lives and some of us are just barely starting. I feel like I'm barely starting. I know I'm barely starting. But when I look back and I reflect, like a lot of my trauma and a lot of the reasons why I turned to the drugs and alcohol was because of my trauma. You know, I was 13 years old when my mama passed away. 
and you know she lost her battle to lymphoma and mm. you know i was just uh i was just a boy just not knowing how to grieve not knowing how to process she was a single parent and my brother at that time who was 18 years old i remember he made a promise to me I, okay so let me backtrack a little bit she was in the mayo clinic and i remember um she was incoherent i couldn't stand being there so i went to um the the they had like a hotel room for us so yeah. i went there and i was sleeping and i just i'll remember this for the entire the entirety of my life but i was sleeping and i just felt this huge embrace in the middle mm. of my sleep i just felt this embrace this comfort it was a feeling i knew absolute and not more than two minutes later my brother comes banging on the door and he's like she's gone she's gone you know she left us it's just you and me and i'm just dumbfounded sitting there like okay well, and you were 13 years old yeah i was 13 years old like i had no idea of like what was going on and he told me like you know what i'm always gonna be there for you it's always just gonna be you and me but that's not how it turned out you know um we ended up like just losing touch with one another he um ended up drinking heavily at that time and you know for me i moved in with my father whom i did not know and it was just a lot of butting heads it was a lot of okay you know what you have never been in my life you're not gonna tell me what to do you're not gonna you know do anything like that i was very rebellious I didn't give him an opportunity to be a father to me, but I also didn't mm -hmm. allow myself to get to know him. Right. And, you know, I can only speak on my end, so I don't know if he felt the same, you know, like maybe. Yeah. You know, but that was just like a broken relationship. And during that time, I started rolling with um, some friends that introduced me to, oh my gosh, just Smirnoff. <laughs> Smirnoff, vodka, and Everclear were the drinks that oh i goodness. would be drinking during high school i've experienced so many blackouts during that time i've ended up in the hospital several times and i became very suicidal i really did like i remember falling down like and i think it was a 20-foot cliff intentionally i remember sometimes since we lived on the reservation it was a very rural area and there's like literally one road in one road out so right. there was a semi driving by and I remember like just getting out of the car and just tucking and rolling and trying to run in front of that semi. And it was just, there was just oh, so man. many emotions that I did not realize. Like, you know, I felt alone. I felt abandoned. I felt like I was just desperate to feel anything that would be close to what my mother was able to provide me. Right. And that's something that I've held on to, you know, fast forward to when I was 18 years old. I, you know, um, was I moved out to Phoenix and I remember I was working at a savers on 27th Avenue and Bethany Home Road. For those of you that are in the valley, you know, you might know that's not a very <laughs> great neighborhood. But, you know, if you live there, hey, you know what? I lived there, too, and I survived. Sure. <laughs> but, however, you know, that's where I got introduced to meth. One of my coworkers, I have no idea why, but she comes up to me and tells me, like, you know what? I just did a line, you know, I'm ready to close the store. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I didn't know you do that. Like, I want one. And I've never done anything like that before. And, you know, she tells me where it is. I do it. And I remember this moment 
as well. It was just this tingly sensation that started out in my left fingertip and it just coerced through my entire body. And I was just lying there just like, whoa, what is this? And it comes out my right fingertip. And I was just so mind blown. And looking back spiritually, like I can honestly say that was like my innocence just leaving my body. That was me allowing allowing like you know evil into my body and letting it take right. over because since then you know i just turned into an entirely different person you know it gradually evolved into you know what i was stealing from people i was committing fraud i was you know my i was very promiscuous during that time you know i was homeless like i used people for certain things and i've used people just to get this drug and it's like you know i was um what is it 21st avenue and northern area that was like the primary place where i was homeless here in the city and well kendall I, tell us how, how did that all change all of that changed because you know um i remember i was so broken like just so broken my feet were swollen i didn't understand why i was using crutches to walk and i remember it was like 4 a.m but anyways i made it into an er that evening august 20 fourth of 2019 i made it into a hospital come to find i had congestive heart failure from all the drugs i had consumed and had been utilizing then they rushed me up and i just recall a doctor coming in and i know that was god using this individual to finally talk some sense into me and he tells me like you know what your heart is only working at 20 percent of what it should be and you can go back out there and continue using you're going to die in less than 30 days or you can stop and prevent any further damage from happening to your heart and he walks out on me and i just owned up to everything the best way that i could you know i didn't come from a traditional background i didn't come from a background of christ in my life and here i am i prayed i prayed i prayed i prayed and as soon as that like fear worry all that settled into me it was gone there was just like my spirit was awoken and i knew absolutely that i would be fine you know i was on a defibrillator for six months they said my heart would never get better but i believed i i believed i believed and i believed i remember i had a gentleman come up to me and say you know what do you believe you will get better and I said, yes. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are healed. And I believed that wholeheartedly. I wow. went back for my, wow. yeah, and the healing happened. I'll tell you one thing. For those of you that are just listening, I ain't attached to no defibrillator anymore, nor do I have a pacemaker <laughs> in right now. So healing does happen. And that's how I know. That was my experience with Christ. That was my experience with God. And no, I will not allow anyone to tell me otherwise that he is not real, that he is not alive, because I know that he lives in me. I've seen his miracles, oh. and I am a miracle. And I pray that whatever the listeners are going through, I pray that healing comes into your soul and your spirit on your physical body, your mentality, your emotional. And I pray, and I know absolutely wholeheartedly that you will be healed in more than one way. And you just have to wholeheartedly believe that because well, I believe that those for of you who are listening you're listening to the kingdom and its stories and uh, and we have with us Kendall Key um, and Rick McCafferty and um, 
And what one of the things that's happening in this particular interview is something that has never happened before in all the interviews we've done. I just feel that this is so important that um, we're going to finish this uh, program up, but we're going to we're going to continue it next week. And um, but but you know we've only got about five minutes left in 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 this program, so. Kendall, um, let me ask you, and Rick will will come to you in in the, in the next program. Um, but Kendall, there are people listening who really are kind of afraid of people like you, like you were. Yes, you know, and um, and what do you say to them? How how can they? How can they reach out to people who are like you were and be able to um, to begin to uh, draw them in a direction where they would be able to see the kind of love and security and, and um, sense of healing that you have experienced? For those that are afraid of a person like me when I was out in the streets asking for change, asking for money. You know what? You actually kind of got me back in that place right now. You know, I'll tell you one thing that would have made the hugest difference in my life during that time. It's if somebody had just acknowledged me as a person, as a child of God. Well, instead of turning the other way and just walking by, you know, I understand like people are afraid, like, you know what, this person's going to rob me. They're going to hurt me. They're going to ask for money and I don't want to deal with them right now. Maybe I'm late for work. Maybe I got to go pick up the kids or whatever it may be. Maybe I have things, I have my own problems and I don't want to deal with that right now. But you know what, if somebody just acknowledged me as a person when I was out in the streets, I feel like that's a great place to start because... We're already at our lowest point right there. Well, and just to be reminded that we are human, that somebody out there mm-hmm. does love us, that God does love us, that would be a huge impact. How, how do you, Kendall, how do you do that? Okay, you're, you're in a car, you're driving, you see the guy asking for change, and you stop, you roll down the window, and, and just, hi, I'm Bob, what's your name? Um, how, how do you do that? It could even just be at a bus stop. Okay. You know, it could even just be looking into the eyes instead of turning away, looking, trying to look, looking look, look, yeah, looking like you're busy or just facing straight, you know, just even a, a quick, you know, just a quick wave, like, you know, just, just anything, you know. So just acknowledging that that other person is there, Absolutely. that they exist, that they're a human being, Absolutely. and that they have value. Absolutely. Even just uh, so it, quick yelling out the window, hey, God bless you. Wow. I think That's that, simple. Yeah, I think that would plant a seed. Like, you know, I can look back and say, like, you know, in my addiction, if I heard somebody say, God bless you, I'd be like, I, I Okay, but then it would get me thinking, like, why did they say God bless me? 
I didn't yeah. sneeze. Okay, you know, why did they say God bless me? But that plants the seed within their minds as well. And, you know, I think that could go a long way. It's just acknowledging that they are people, that they are there, that they do exist. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Kendall. Thank you for sharing. You. Now, when we come back uh, in the next program, I'm going to ask you guys to tell us some stories of the people. Uh, you've told us your story, Kendall. It's beautiful. And I appreciate the softness of your heart so much. But I really, I, I want to acknowledge that. And, uh, and I want to thank you for your story. This is the kingdom and its stories. Absolutely. And, uh, Praise God. And this is, this is one of the stories, Kendall. So thank you for sharing. You know, I'll tell you and, one thing. I was not prepared for that question you asked towards the end. And it, yeah, it, it hit me. I was like, whoa, I've never been asked that question before. But praise God for putting that on your heart and making me think and reflect on that. Okay. Yeah. Remind us what the question was. It was, people are afraid of people like me when I was during my addiction and how can they positively impact a person like me today? Amen. Thank you guys. We look forward to being with you. Uh, uh, next week, um, we're going to continue right now, but, but the program will be next week. And thank you everybody who's listening and watching yes, and may God you. bless you. And may God give you the compassion to recognize the humanity of those that you meet on the street. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.